Gary Gensler and the SEC are charging Gemini and Genesis, charging them with unregistered securities, with selling those, and they're doing all of this after the fact. David, this is a total mall cop move, isn't it? Bankless Nation, it is the third week of January. David, tell them what time it is. Ryan, it is the Friday Bankless Weekly Roll-Up, where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which continues to be fiasco after fiasco, although entertainment value does increase uh, lately. Uh, And so if you are not drinking your coffee, what are you doing? Go grab your coffee, because it's going to be a pretty good roll-up. Might be kind of long. We'll see. We'll try and speed this up. It's going to be a long one, but there's a lot of good stuff to talk about this week. I mean, it's quality, though. It's I really mean, good stuff. It's some that, good stuff. This, all yeah. these roll-ups, there's just quality. And I'm drinking <laughs> my, uh, I think this is my fourth, I want to say, cup of coffee. Wow. Nothing like the fourth. <laughs> right? What no, do you want? Number one? It's number two? the first. The, the number, it's always downhill after number one. <laughs> it's true. Till tomorrow. You got to sleep it tomorrow. off and then yeah, you have to, yeah. wake up uh-huh. and yeah, your eighth isn't tasting as, as, as good eight as your, your second. Do you seriously is it? eat, drink eight cups of coffee sometimes? I'm not going to say I don't. Okay. I'm not going to say I don't. That is insane. Uh, I would literally die. <laughs> <laughs> Someday we'll have uh, we'll do flights of coffee together. David, oh, you God, and I. No, I would. I, can we do flights of beer? <laughs> Both. First the coffee, then the beer. We'll mix it up. We'll do that up permissionless. How about that? Sounds good. Uh, All right. Topics of the week. Mm We've got to discuss the bankruptcy of Genesis. That might actually Mm -hmm. be happening. Some news broke this week. And also the unbundling of Digital Currency Group. It's all wrapped together. What else are we talking about? Yeah. If anyone is interested in buying Coindesk, you might be in luck. Uh, Following that, Gary Gensler, the mall cop, coming in hot, (laughs) being all mall copy. Uh, On that segue. On that segue. Beep, beep. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, the big news of the week, Uh, crypto Twitter just struck by fear when rumors of the Department of Justice was going after an international crypto exchange that starts with the letter B, a massive takedown. So hold on to your seats because we got to cover that one. It was absolutely gargantuan news going to talk about that too all right guys if you're listening on youtube or watching on youtube make sure you like and subscribe if you are listening to this on the podcast of course uh subscribe to that podcast too let's get to the markets david what are we talking about on the bitcoin prices are we up are we down we are up big on the week starting the week at eighteen thousand nine hundred dollars up double digits in bitcoin to where we are currently at twenty thousand nine hundred dollars 10% double on the digits. week for Bitcoin. That's big. Double digits, you mean percentage-wise? Double digits percentage-wise, yes. Uh, that's yeah. big because that's last big. week I remember we were up to, and now we're above 20K, mm-hmm. which is a big milestone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's feeling pretty good. I yeah. mean, what are the bears doing right now? Are they retreating? Are they uh, I think they are covering in fear. or buying, one of the two. Uh, uh, I think short, we are definitely th- getting short squeezed out of the bottom right now. That's what basically the theme of the last 10 days, I'd say, is short squeeze off the bottom. Usually, usually trader bears have a little denial phase for a while. Yeah. And yep. I think I've seen some mm-hmm. of that on uh, Twitter as well. Okay, how about mm-hmm. ETH? What's that doing for us? Ether price started the week last week at $1,420, up what? 8% ah. to where we are currently at 1535 We touched $1,620 for the high, the intro week high, uh, this whole like Department of Justice fear mongering uh, caused the market to to jump down a bunch. Uh, we've recovered a little bit, but not too much. Uh, so we are currently at fifteen hundred thirty five dollars, so up eight percent on the week for Ether. 
It's got to be painful for bears. That's a that's a yeah. that's a big week for ETH as well. Yes. How about uh, on the ETH Bitcoin ratio, up or down? Yeah, uh, retraced a little bit because of last week's was extremely green. I think last week was something like four or five percent green. I can't remember. Two and a half percent. We are down two and a half percent. We are down to point zero seven three five on the ratio. Bitcoin's back, baby. Bitcoin's it's back. 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 Never Take left. It. <laughs> it's not dead yet. It's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is look global cryptocurrency market cap, David. I can read these charts too. We are above a trillion this week. One trillion dollars. Wow. Been, it's been three months since a trillion, maybe two. Definitely and since t- since prior. I think FTX caused us to absolutely nuke below a trillion, and now we are at point one point zero one trillion. You guys will remember at the at the top of the market in twenty twenty one, we hit three trillion. Yep. So back above a trillion, the uh, the trillionaires club, I guess for uh, for crypto, uh, we've re- reached it. I remember uh, in 2017, if you go to that peak back in 2017, I remember sending a, a message one? in my like crypto chat to all my friends. It this was like a baby thing. Yeah, we were at 900,000. We were about to hit one trillion for the first time. Yeah. And so I, I like sent out a message like, all right, guys, how many months after we hit one trillion will we hit three trillion? And it was like it, and this was December of, t- of 2017. I was like, all right, is it going to be February or April or June of 2018 when we hit like three trillion? Trillion, and turns out <laughs> it was out uh, four more years later. It was, for, it was like 48 months rather than four months, right? Yes, or whatever, yeah, six months, something like this. It, off by a smidge, yeah. Uh, not bad, though. Not bad. Uh, so <laughs> market's there. feeling good this week. We, we, we did get there uh, eventually. Now, now we've, of course, re- retraced down below a trillion, but uh, we're back. All right, let's talk about some other market metrics here, David. Um, one is conversation about the Fed. Maybe the Fed, Fed cutting interest rates which is pretty big. The Fed set to cut interest rates by the end of 2023. This is not the Fed, of course, saying this. This is not Jerome Powell. This is KPMG. So this is an analyst saying this, uh, that the Fed might cut interest rates amid a U.S. recession. I think the exact prediction is this, that in the first half of 2023, that's the half that we're in right now, we will enter a recession. And uh, do you recall what a recession actually is, like the technical definition? Yeah, it's like three quarters in a row of declining growth or something like that. It's like time boxed too. Yeah, it's two consecutive quarters of negative growth domestic product. And of course, GDP is the value of all the goods and services that a country produces. So that would be two quarters of negative GDP. So KPMG is saying, we'll we'll go into a recession this quarter, and that will cause the Fed to stop cutting interest rates. That is not already in a recession. I thought we were. Not technically, right? Okay. It's, uh, we haven't actually technically hit that R word. So the idea being that the Fed might start cutting interest rates at the end of the year. This is sort of what analysts are saying and what the market is saying. Um, that said, what is this tweet telling us? Yeah, the this this tweet and the next tweet I think contrast really well with each other. Uh, this is Watcher Guru, one of these like breaking Twitter accounts. U.S. U.S. national debt reaches an all-time high of thirty-one point four trillion dollars 31.4 trillion dollars of collective debt uh Uh, all-time highs i mean it's always reaching all-time highs and it reached an all-time high again yeah i mean that that's to tell us that the money supply keeps increasing no Mm -hmm. matter what the economy is doing uh bear or bull it's always increasing it seems like and in stark contrast the eth burn is burning 
Uh, we are at negative 2,170 ETH. So I think these things to these like all time high of U.S. debt versus uh, burning ether, the rate of ETH burn being pretty, pretty close to all time highs uh, is like nicely contrasting with each other. When debt reaches all time high, it is like it's like future dollars that need to be burnt in order to come back to an equilibrium. And we have a debt of. 31 trillion dollars that we need to like collectively like burn in order to come back to like zero to net out and it's, ether is just burn an ether right it's burn an so, ether left and right it's so interesting to watch kind of the I'm, you know we, we've talked about ethereum like a gdp basically mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. ethereum being sort of a, a digital nation uh, ethereum also has ether and a monetary schedule for ether and rather than hitting debt all-time highs as you said it actually went deflationary mm-hmm. since the merge so mm-hmm. that happened on Sunday, by the way, David. I was kind of mm-hmm. looking at these numbers. You know, it's dipped into uh, deflationary territory, ultrasound money territory before, but then when block space demand decreased, of course, issue, issuance, net issuance goes up. Now it dropped back down. So mm-hmm. uh, ETH is once again ultrasound money Woo! since the merge. Uh, do you words. know the, the, the bankless analyst team put together a state of Ethereum and comparing a uh, quarter last quarter so q4 of 2022 with q4 of 2021 and uh we do this every quarter Mm -hmm. uh ben from our team puts this together i think it's a fantastic post a lot of takeaways from this report but you could see sort of what the uh the gdp what the economy of ethereum looks like in a bear market because ethereum in last quarter was definitely in a bear market as compared to the the fourth quarter of 2021 when it was kind of up only and it mm-hmm. was pure bull market so a few metrics to look at net revenue network revenue that is was down by 93% oh, 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 ouch what does <laughs> what does the ethereum economy kind of like i guess produce or what what is its tax base maybe that's a better way to say it uh what is it selling is blocks and so Mm -hmm. network revenue was down from about four billion in 2021 q4 to 267 million uh, and so this is saying just like uh gas fees are down by 93.8 percent that's synonymous right and so like network revenue block space sales gas fees these are all different words to say the same things yeah block space demand is down 94 percent yeah uh Mm. now this is interesting so is eth burned and you would sort of expect that so in q1 of last year we were burning a lot more eth eip 1559 was already implemented uh so the burn was down as compared to the previous quarter 2020 one Mm -hmm. q4 versus 2022 q4 was down 94 percent as well now this next metric yeah i think is so awesome what is okay so (laughs) we are we have 94 percent less ether being burned because we have 94 percent less block space demand for ethereum yet yet (laughs) yet the eth inflation rate is down it, I think it's a broken metric because it went from positive to negative. Yes. So even with a 94% reduction in uh, Ether block, Ethereum block space demand, Ether inflation is down like uh, over 100%. It was 101%. at... 101%. It was at 0.364% yearly inflation rate. Well, actually for the quarter. That was for the entire quarter. It increased... 0.364%. Ah, excuse me. Okay. So, yes, the, the Q4 of 2021, Ether inflated, the issuance grew by 0.364%. In this quarter, even with 94% of block space demand leaving the ecosystem, 
infl- ether inflation when to negative 0.004 percent yeah and why did this happen of course because of the merge the merge happened i mean that's the first uh, full quarter ethereum's ever had of Mm -hmm. uh being deflationary ultrasound Mm -hmm. money that happened Mm -hmm. last quarter net deflationary in q4 of 2022 so that is a very bullish metric i think and then we have daily active addresses just down 20 percent. actually not down too much considering Mm -hmm. it was it's been a bear market and then read this one eth staked what has that done in yeah, uh, almost doubled it was yeah. at 8.8 million ether staked uh, last year 2021 q4 uh, 15.8 million we were actually at this time of because uh, this uh, this concluded this was last quarter we have uh, like uh, 19 days of January since then and we're over 16 million staked so we are almost double since q4 2021 of e staked you can look at the other aspects of the economy you can look at uh, kind of DeFi on ethereum of course uh, DeFi TVL is down 75 percent. Um, Stablecoin no, supply no is there. only down 5%, wow. which is impressive. Wow. So that's Look stayed that. pretty steady. People are rotating back into stablecoins. They're not right. exiting to, uh, to right. fiat in a bank yeah, account. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> DeFi TVL, Ether price down like 60%, 70%. Stablecoin supply gets a, a boost as a result of that because like where does that value go it goes into stable coins so that's probably why stable coins are only down five percent liquid staking uh, deposits also doubled so that's been mm-hmm. huge and this is why we're seeing kind of the lsd tokens we we're talking about last week uh increase mm-hmm. a whole bunch uh nft volumes is a interesting metric as well so nft da- daily nft traders is only down 14 percent mm. which is interesting uh based on based on last year um, and the L2 ecosystem, of course, is, is sort of a, a marvel to behold. You know, Arbitrum monthly active addresses is up 730%. Optimism is yeah. up 740%. So wow. even though Arbitrum network revenue and Optimism network revenue, they sell block space too, is down, the active uh, addresses are just up and to the right. But also, it's it's important to know that Arbitrum network revenue and Optimism network revenue, okay, down 86%, down 63%. Like, we want the Ethereum revenue, Layer 1 revenue to be up, but actually, we want Layer 2 revenue to be down because when Layer 2 revenue is down, that means Layer 2 transaction fees are also down. True. And so when Arbitrum released Arbitrum Nitro, when Optimism released uh, Bedrock and all, like, all their other updates, they yes. were actually making their Layer 1 footprint smaller. And so network revenue going down is actually a sign of success for these things because that means fees are going down yeah it this is but this is really cool this is what the ethereum mm-hmm. economy looks like in a recession mm-hmm. and you could see a bunch of the markets are uh, a bunch of the metrics are down um but one in- thing that's very interesting is uh supply also goes down that does not happen mm-hmm. during the recessions right. of nation state usually debt right. increases during right. recessions that nation yeah. states have uh whereas uh-huh. in ethereum it's um you know money supply has decreased uh-huh. uh so pretty interesting to see um david why don't you talk about this too? I know we've been we've been right. tracking prices of other alternative layer ones. I think the Solana price uh, mm-hmm. maybe warrants some discussion. What's this tweet saying? I think this is coming out of the uh, announcement last uh, week where FTX found a bunch of like uh, crypto assets under the cushions, uh, and so we've discovered how much FTX owns of Solana, the Sol network. FTX owns eleven percent of Sol tokens of the market cap of Solana. Uh, which is a dubious place to be in. Seven hundred uh, billion dollars worth. Seven hundred billion dollars. Like you can't sell that amount into the market, and it would send it to zero. 
Uh, and so like there's this precarious position where this entity that's going through bankruptcy owns 11% of the market cap of Solana. Needs to be liquidated. Needs to be liquidated. Yeah. Oof. I don't know how that happens. That's bad. Right. That is um, bad. Yes. So this this could be obviously a negative price catalyst, uh, yeah. catalyst on Sol tokens. Interesting. We had Anatoly on the podcast, uh, recorded mm-hmm. that just last week. We're going to release that episode too. Uh, he definitely thinks solana has a bright future ahead so uh, stay tuned for that Mm -hmm. episode and you'll catch Mm -hmm. his take there um this was interesting too why did the (laughs) ftt price this is ftx's native token why did that spike randomly on tuesday i don't know man you're looking today we're looking at we're looking at two the two week uh, price action and actually this bike on the very far right just happened since we started recording we are back above two dollars and thirty cents i mean dgens in crypto will trade absolutely anything oh, yeah. like no some shame. people just think this thing is a goddamn casino which it yes. totally is uh but yeah ftt price the token of ftx is pumping for some goddamn reason What's and pumping is, re- this thing? is relative uh fully diluted valuation six hundred million dollars <laughs> what the hell dude i don't understand it's we should start an exchange uh <laughs> news on that coming later david what do we have coming up next bankless starts an exchange no we are absolutely not doing that but someone else is somebody, some, well somebody else is shutting down an exchange uh but that'll be the third thing uh, the third big news of the week that we talk about first we got to talk about dcg the dcg fire sale we got the genesis bankruptcy so the bankruptcy is probably starting i don't think it's official but it's looking pretty There's likely rumors rumors uh and then also rumors have surfaced that coindesk is looking for a buyer coindesk of course uh is a subsidiary of dcg so the unbundling of dcg is underway uh and then uh beep beep gary gensler Mulkop coming through now that he's arrived on the scene now that dcg and crypto are are weak uh gary gensler comes with his traffic ticket save the day uh, and then (laughs) saving the day uh and then an exchange that starts with the letter b Gets charged with the department by the Department of Justice. Oh no, everyone run and hold on. So we're going to get to all of the subjects and more. But first, I'm going to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors to help you go bankless like Kraken, who lets you get your boomer money out of TradFi and into the sci-fi world of crypto. Gary Gensler and the SEC are charging Gemini and Genesis, calling them, charging them with unregistered securities, with selling those. Mm. And they're doing all of this after the fact. David, this is a total mall cop move, isn't it? <laughs> this is ridiculous, dude. I um, ca- ca- Can we actually read what the charges are from this sure. uh, CNBC yep. article? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, according to the SEC and Gary Gensler, uh, Gemini and Gemini, the Gemini Earn program and Genesis were selling unregistered securities with a high yield product offered offered to depositors. Uh, Genesis loaned Gemini users crypto, kept a portion of the yield, shielded that profit with Gemini. Uh, and a quote from the SEC: Genesis should have registered that product as a securities offering. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Go on. That's great that that we know this now that they should have done that that we are being informed of this <laughs> How does now this help retail, that they David? are bankrupt. I'm sure there's a way for this to help retail that has 900 million dollars stuck in Gemini Earn accounts. This is Tyler Winklevoss uh, tweeting about this, saying it's disappointing that the SEC chose to file an action today. What is he saying in this tweet thread? He's basically saying like, yo, WTF, this doesn't do anything to help further our efforts. This isn't helping uh, like us with the proceedings between Gemini Earn and Genesis. Uh, and he says this action does nothing to further 
earn users and get their assets back. It's totally counterproductive. Uh, and, and also, the EARN program was regulated by the New York Department of Financial Services, uh, and they've been already in discussions with the SEC about the EARN program for more than 17 months. And That's uh, Gemini has. That, Gemini been, has, yes. Gemini has always engaged with regulators. That's right. been part of their thing. They've been That's an been their that, brand. So like, yeah. we are the compliant crypto exchange. And so Tyler says that even after in discussions with SEC for 17 months, they never raised the prospect of an enforcement action until after Genesis was bankrupt. And they pause withdrawals, which after is insane. After it's counterproductive. Right. After, <laughs> after it's too late. That's called like some major uh, CYA type move, cover your ass yeah. move by yeah, uh, Gensler time. and the SEC here. Big time. And it uh, doesn't help earn retail get its money back. Yeah. Actually, it, a- it's going to cost both Genesis and <laughs> yes. Gemini money, yes. which they're already like running on fumes on. And any money that they have to go to deal with this from the SEC is coming out of future depositors Money, like returns like they're already going to get like deposits are already going to get like less than 50 cents on the dollar now it's going to be like the now the sec is coming in with fines and depositors going to get 45 cents on the dollar 30 cents on the dollar like less as a result of the sec this is a take from doge toshi the sec charging gemini and genesis after users lose their funds is like open blacklisting an nft after a hacker sells it like it doesn't do any good why are you right. what are you doing Mm-hmm. But I will, I will I'll carve out OpenSea. Uh, that is just a thing that their lawyers force them to do. It's not like the, what they want to do. It's not like they have a bad policy where they still are doesn't help. To do this. It doesn't. It help. doesn't help. That's the thing. But it. Uh, but both coming are coming back to regulation. Like they are forced to do that because of regulation, and then the SEC is doing this because again regulate regulation. Did you see David uh, Gary Gensler's video? He um, made a little influencer yeah, video advertising it. Did, did you oh see Office Hours with Gary? Uh, actually, let's play some of the sound behind oh us. Oh God! Can we do that. We have to Office Hours with Gary. All right, let's do it. What do seatbelts have to do with crypto lending? Chinchillas. So influencer video about this from Gary Gensler. This is the reply. Got a lot of likes. I don't know if uh, he was ratioed here. He's almost ratioed here. It's from uh, Crypto Wendy. You charge them after the fact, Gary. This impacts retail. Less money to go around, legal fees and fines. It's like running a stop sign that wasn't there and giving someone a ticket. Please give clear guidelines that bolster positive growth. Yes, please do that. That's what Mm. we've been hoping for. Uh, Not more of this. Not more gumming up the works. David, here's a meme on this too. I love this. I, you know I'm a big sucker for SpongeBob memes. Uh, I can't. This is the episode. Uh, I I can't remember. They're trying to save Bikini Bottom from something. Man, I'm I'm actually sad that I can't remember the, the detail of this episode. Though. But it's at the at the it's end going. of the episode. They've totally destroyed the city, and it's SpongeBob turning to Patrick and said, "We did it, Gary. We saved investors from crypto <laughs> after like the city's just totally destroyed." <sighs> Very disappointing. Uh, so that's what's going on there. Meanwhile, the big question on everyone's mind is Genesis going bankrupt this came out uh on wednesday today a, a post from frank chapare of the block genesis global capital creditors are negotiating a prepackaged bankruptcy plan with the firm a prepackaged bankruptcy plan that's interesting terminology um apparently this would allow for a swifter process to go through mm. bankruptcy if you do this kind of prepackaged mm. deal before you actually enter the bankruptcy proceedings. So it could happen a lot faster than, say, something like FTX, where you're, sure. you're kind of forced uh-huh. uh, it's negotiated near, it's bankruptcy, tidier. I guess. Yeah. 
And so these are still rumors, I think, but um, this was actually reported by Bloomberg as mm-hmm. well. That, that the headline of this says crypto firm Genesis is preparing to file for bankruptcy. So maybe Bloomberg has a closer source. Mm-hmm. It says the, the crypto lending unit of DCG could file as soon as this week. And I guess, David, that impacts um, all of DCDG, which is Digital yeah. Currency Group. Could you right. just refresh people on the structure of Digital Currency Group and, the, and like the things that it owns? Digital Currency Group, of course, Barry Silbert is the C- CEO. Uh, they own Genesis, which is this um, asset that is preparing to to file bankruptcy, this entire institutional lending and borrowing company. Mm-hmm. What yeah. else is in their portfolio? Yeah, so Genesis, the lending desk, Grayscale, and the GBTC ETH E trusts, which are, are kind of actually the source of all the contagion. Also, something that got... Uh, basically kneecapped by the sec by not being able to be turned into an etf so like the sec is just really just just punching us at every single moment anyway sorry uh they all dcg also owns coindesk which we're about to talk about and just a few other things this thing called foundry luno trade block and also just uh, a bunch of uh, private equity investments venture capital investments throughout the space you have so, a take like on pretty this. pretty big pretty big like uh what do you call these things? Consortiums of subsidiaries? Pretty big yeah. organization. It's a giant organization. Right. M- many billions of dollars, kind of a, a longstanding mm-hmm. crypto institutional organization right. too. Yeah. David, uh-huh. do you think all this is priced in or do you think that this is going yeah. to cause some more uh, tumultuous times in crypto markets? Yeah, you said that this is really just rumors at this point. We actually don't know if this is true, but I think everyone is chalking this up to just like, yeah, this something's is totally, gotta happen, this right? is going to totally happen. Like something's got to happen and it looks like uh, there's not really too many pass forward. So uh, it, Genesis preparing for bankruptcy. Uh, DCG will probably keep um, will keep Grayscale because that thing is an absolute cash cow. Uh, but uh, I think everyone, the fact that markets didn't really nuke when we got this bad, bad news because this perhaps implies a bunch of selling pressure uh, implies that this was already priced in. Uh, and so this the market's like, I don't care about any more bad news. Like I'm not selling at this point because we're already so down bad. I actually uh, think so, it's in a way it's good news because yeah. we, we do have to clean this up, right? It's mm-hmm. been in limbo for a period of time and right. markets hate uncertainty. This is maybe certain, more, certainly. more certainty. Yeah. What happens yeah. to Coindesk, David? Yeah. So uh, this is another rumor, but crypto publication Coindesk has hired uh, Lazard, which is a, a private equity investment bank, I believe, uh, to uh, help facilitate the sale of Coindesk. So Coindesk is a valuable product, a valuable company. Uh, and so they are looking for a buyer because DCG needs the money. So Coindesk. Who's going to buy Coindesk, who, Coindesk is up for sale. Who wants to buy Coindesk? Do you think traditional hmm. media will buy it, like somebody like yeah. CNBC, or do you think yeah. this will come internal to crypto? No, I think I think outside. I my bet is somebody outside of crypto, something like a Bloomberg or something like that. Yeah. Well, is that? Do you have any preference? Is that more bullish? What if someone like CZ buys it? Finance buys CoinDesk. How would oh, that make you feel? That would be not great. Okay, that would be how not about great. Uh, Bloomberg. I, I would like that to keep that in the states, please. Bloomberg uh, buys CoinDesk. What do you think? That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Okay. That'd be awesome. How about um, Blockworks Group buys CoinDesk? That would be Chad as fuck. <laughs> That'd be so Chad. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, but fire sell of assets, right? In order yeah. to uh, yep. in order to survive. the unbundling of DCG, they're ba- they're basically probably going to sell everything except for Grayscale because Grayscale's the cash cow. 
uh, I mean, there's like a whole conversation there about like how they're they just like jettisoned Genesis. They let they three arrows capital Genesis let three arrows capital do the grayscale trade, and, and it was the facilitating mechanism to put a bunch of TVL into grayscale, which is the cast cow for basically all of DCG. And now they're just selling the wreckage. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of like bad takes, negative well, takes about that. Also, DCG has a pretty strong venture arm too, with yes. a lot of uh, right. assets that have yes. appreciated massively in value, and you you wonder if some of that. That's going to be up for auction as well. So uh, but before we move on, yeah. there's some irony here to pull out. So okay. Coindesk is for sale, right? Uh, because uh, the parent company, DCG, is underwater because of the Genesis insolvency. Because they, of the, Are you going to say they broke the original story of FTX? They, so Coindesk broke the original story <laughs> oh, of FTX no. about the Alameda balance sheet, Cost which caused CZ to tweet about that, which caused the FTT to dump, which caused Alameda to get liquidated, which caused the insolvency of FTX, which uh, created, and that was also triggered by Three Arrows Capital. Uh, like all, all of this, like contagion, this is what contagion is and so at the end of this loop of contagion is genesis going under which is a dcg product which that whole thing got pinpricked by another dcg product so coindesk picked pricked the bubble that ultimately led to the unbundling and sale of wow. their parent company what are you gonna do though it's just good reporting I mean, good job for CoinDesk honestly like doing great that. job great well done journalism. coindesk wait that yeah. is just good journalism well done but also well done. we're sorry yeah, and sorry about that one. Yeah, uh, yeah, that sucks. it's not your fault, but not you your did fault. the right yeah. thing for crypto. Thank you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> dude. This industry—it's <laughs> crazy, right? Look, I, I just think—I mean, I think in some ways every industry is like this, mm-hmm. except just crypto is like every that other industry, bastard, but more yeah. so. But more and it's like more open, yeah. and the debates and tw- like things happen on Twitter, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, it's very open. Speaking of open and crazy, uh, there was a massive threat. Almost gave crypto a heart attack earlier yeah. this week because yeah. it seemed like a bunch of government organizations were mm-hmm. banding together to uh, announce something yeah. there was like R- a pre-announced started like simmering throughout crypto sphere so here's an a-, a tweet update not only is the doj announcing at 12 p.m eastern there's the there's rumors of an announcement came out of the doj but they will be joined by the fbi the u.s treasury ofac and the state of new york wow Whoa. Whoa. This, this, this oh, happened this Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning, morning. yeah. At, so uh, rumors got circulated that an ex, uh, the DOJ was going after an exchange that started with the letter B. I don't know how that letter B rumor got out there, but it definitely did. Here's another tweet. One of my good friends told me the DOJ will sue Binance this year, and the fine will be in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh, wow. God. Oh, this no. guy's good friend. Uh, oh, good friend. Source Sources. Sources. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's keep keep on going as guys the fear the fear just like hit all-time highs and so here is a press release out of the department of justice media advisory department attorney uh, general lisa Minako will lead a press conference to announce a major international cryptocurrency enforcement action the u.s department of the treasury will announce an action in the space tv coverage will be provided by the network pool uh, <laughs> people, people were there was so much speculation there on so uh, much crypto fear. Twitter that morning. I can't uh-huh. even keep up with it. Um, some people were were, were talking about um, validating uh, anyone who wasn't OFAC compliant and a validator mm-hmm. would basically be net banned in the mm-hmm. U.S. Like there was there was talk of this fear off the charts. Oh yeah, there was talk of like every every major crypto company you can imagine. You know, could have been a target for this. Like as you know. Super scary, and honestly, every every single one of my discords and telegrams that I frequent up. were were all like, "Oh God, God what, what's it's it going to be? What's it going to be?" Ready. Twelve p.m. <laughs> all right, so what was it? What did it end up being? Uh, <laughs> crypto exchange Bitlazo. 
Uh, the founder uh, was arrested and was charged by. Uh, do you even know what this exchange Bits, is, dude? <laughs> Bits Lotto. That, Bits, Bits Lotto. Lotto. Is that how you say this? I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> that was the big B that they were going after. Yeah, wasn't finance. I, I don't even know, man. Okay, so this is a Russian founder of a uh, centralized exchange, Bits Lotto, yes. for uh, for laundering and crypto asset crimes. Uh, I think uh, laundered allegedly laundered more than seven hundred and uh, million funds. The founder Anatoly Legadomov was arrested in Miami. This is it. This is yeah. it. This was the big yeah. announcement. I had no. I, I had never heard of this exchange before. I have never uh, either. This is uh, somebody named yeah. Haley uh, she's Lennon. A, she's a she's a lawyer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She says DOG enforcement action against Russian exchange Bits Lotto. I've worked in the space since 2013. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Honestly, never, never heard, heard of, of this uh, exchange. Who knows? So this showed are. up in the chart. So this is what caused Ether to go from sixteen hundred dollars down to like fourteen hundred ninety, and then this news came out and it just like pumped right back up to like fifteen fifty. And we're like, I don't care. I don't care about Bits Lotto. <laughs> so of course you got to appreciate the memes uh, coming out about this. The sense of the relief, of course, but uh, this classic meme. What are you looking at? <laughs> this is the army man protecting the sleeping the sleeping child. Uh, knives uh, and missiles. And yeah, grenades. and so we got Celsius, Voyager, BlockFi, knives and grenades is raining down on this child. Where the Department of Justice is protecting the child from a feather. A feather is bit slotto. <laughs> this oh, is God. another one. I love this. <laughs> this is uh, a picture of the police drug bust, and there's three police officers at the end of a drug bust, and the drug, drug bust is a is a single marijuana pipe. <laughs> 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 wow. A marijuana pipe that there's like five stores around me in New York that I could buy. This is funny. Do, do you think that, okay, so with the SEC, um, you know, announcing going, going after uh, Gemini and Genesis, and then also the DOJ coming up with this announcement, uh, do you think that this is all sort of PR of these government agencies to be just like, look, we're doing things and we're doing things fast in right. crypto. See, we're doing right. something. Right. And so they're just picking the kind of the lowest hanging fruit they can find yeah. and making a much bigger deal out of this. Because than, they can. Yeah, because they can. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like a sort of a, a theater type game. Not, It's not actually protecting retail. It's not actually helping us moving this industry forward. It's not actually doing their jobs. Yeah. They're hoping but, maybe to score some points with. I, uh, I, I think like uh, crypto natives that are listening to this podcast probably need to put themselves in the shoes of their, their parents, uh, their cousins. I don't know. And they and they're going to read the headline. The DOJ charges crypto exchange for seven hundred million dollars of money laundering. Yep. And the guys are now going to jail and they're probably going to be like, nice That's job, great. DOJ. Well done. Yeah. And then they're going to hear about like. Finally. FTX, Genesis, Gemini, Earn, Customers, Insolvent, SEC, charge them. And they're like, nice job. Yeah, nice. Well done, government. I like, that's, that's what exactly my tax what it is. That's, and they don't know the difference. They don't know they don't how know much of an absolute farce this is. They may have never even heard of uh, Binance, uh, for example. Right. And so they, they can't tell you the difference. The difference between, between the words Bits Binance and Bits Lotto is not a lot <laughs> to, no, a, to an outsider. You're, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what's going on. And uh, actually, Theo asked in the Bankless Discord this week, um, does this change anything uh so what's your answer to that the bits lotto news does it change anything i mean what even is it this isn't even a thing there's nothing so nothing's changing because this isn't even a thing this think, is a nothing burger i think so it changes nothing fundamentally i think what we might see is more of the trend of more agencies coming out with kind of these these theatrical performances of 
um, who they're going to kind of go after next. And uh, I don't anticipate anything uh, useful coming out of that for uh, for investors in retail and crypto. Anyway, that's what's going on right now, but we're not mm-hmm. done yet. We've got a oh, lot more oh to cover, God, David. What's coming up next? <laughs> there's even more. So the Three Arrows Capital founders, Ryan, would like you to give them money for their brand new venture called GTX. <laughs> wow. And so we are going Sounds to talk exciting. about well, this amazing investment opportunity uh, that you <laughs> must invest in right now. We'll talk about the details. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm joking. Do not do that. Uh, and then also, we're gonna, I want you, uh, Bankless listener, to guess, put a number in your head, how many members, individual members of Congre- Congress received political donations from SBF and FTX. Think of a number, because we'll talk about that number as soon as we give it back from some of these fantastic sponsors to help you go bankless. Suzu and Kyle Davies, formerly of Three Arrows Capital, have an investment opportunity they'd like you to consider. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited. Get this, David. They are uh, raising $25 million for a new crypto exchange, <laughs> and they're calling this GTX. Why, why they are calling it GTX? <laughs> I don't know. No. The answer, Ryan, is because oh. the, this is the actual real answer. I am not making this up. This is not a joke. <gasps> the reason why they are calling it GTX is because G comes after F. That is literally a slide in their pitch deck. Oh after FTX God. comes GTX. It reminds me of their uh, classic artwork purchase of art blocks right at the top. It looks like a goose. It looks like we like the goose. Yeah. We like the goose. Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, how how is anybody considering investing in this thing? So this isn't actually just a normal crypto exchange. This okay. is an exchange that is meant to be able to trade claims. Uh, so uh, Celsius claims, uh, FTX claims, Genesis three claims. Uh, three Arrows Capital claims? Yeah. Probably. I mean, that is not specifically in the deck, but you can only imagine that they are trying to create an exchange to trade claims on all of the insolvent companies of 2022. I'm getting suddenly very bullish because who has better experience with insolvent companies? They created their own demands for this stupid exchange that they're trying to make. You got to build what you know. Come on, David. (laughs) This is actually pretty bullish. I didn't know that. So it's for distressed assets specifically. It is for claims on future like rewards of whatever people would get. And so uh, the, the idea is that FTX imploded, leaving more than 1 million creditors out of pocket. And so here's the, here's the total addressable market, the, the 1 million creditors of, the, of 2022 crypto. Uh, the exchange offers depositors the ability to transfer their FTX claims to GTX and receive immediate credit in a token called USDG. The pitch deck okay. says. So we're, we're oh, we back to printing token, funny money. Of course. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that's the deal, man. Like, if you have a claim, you can go to GTX and get your FTX claimed. Here's someone who's actually seen some of the slides giving uh, commentary on it. Uh, Garlem, thanks, for, uh, mm-hmm. thanks mm-hmm. for finding this. Um, what's <laughs> twenty what slides? <laughs> I just love the their numbers are getting from one million uh, crypto creditors that are owed money plus the two billion dollars of collective insolvency as a result of twenty twenty two. So like we know the adjustable market. The audacity market. of this! I, <laughs> I, the audacity of this pitch deck. Okay, let's go. Let's go on our roadmap. What's the roadmap looking like? Oh, you first. 
look, it's a multi-step roadmap. So mm-hmm. they're just starting with claims. Yeah, of course. The exchange, okay. Claims, yeah. After that, there's another circle, which is crypto. See, they're just starting with G, with FTX claims. And then, yeah. and then, then uh, three, three errors capital claim then co- it becomes claims come on the market. FTX. And then yeah. they can sell more shit coins. Yeah. And then they go into stocks and trading and they become bigger than Robinhood. And then they go into FX markets and more. It's, you know, uh, easy. <laughs> uh, so how much how much are you investing, Ryan? Oh my god, I'm in, I can't, for, I'm in for half my net worth. I I I can't believe anyone is investing in this. I, I mean, uh, this seems like the odds that it that works are like decently above zero for oh, at least god. them to get like liquidity and being able to exit and start leverage trading Bitcoin again. Do you know what? Um, if there was another team launching this, it could actually be somewhat interesting to you. Yeah. But how? I mean, you, like again, like you to your point, like they know that market, <laughs> and so like if it. you think that this is a viable product, like they are actually kind of are the right people from the, from the job. I hate to say it. <laughs> Why anyone would give these guys money after this is uh, beyond me. But look. Um, People think they can just come back from massive scams in crypto. I mean, well, I don't this know is, if they have any other choice. This is still what I, I believe SBF is trying to do. Right? Yeah. Just it's kind of a comeback story. And you, uh, new, new SBF article dropped this week. We'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that too. All right, let's let's move on. Uh, Ethereum. Good news here. It hits five hundred thousand validators ahead of the scheduled Shanghai upgrade. That's a lot of validators, David. Half a million validators. Of course, multiply that by that number by thirty-two, and you have the amount of ether deposited into the Beacon Chain. So, congrats to the Beacon Chain for half a million validators. I got good news for you too, David. The devs are still here. Mm-hmm. There are now uh, 23,000 monthly active developers in crypto. And if you look at this chart here, I'm going to zoom mm-hmm. in a little bit. This um, is coming this from is a, a report out of Electric Capital. And I remember this, I think they do this report every single year. So this is yep. not just some like rando report from some they do a great weird, job. This, this is a great report. The link in the show notes to definitely go and dive deeper They're into They're scanning this. all the public GitHubs. Yes. I mean, yeah. it's, this is a thorough report. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically it has doubled from uh, 2020 but what's interesting here is do, do you see that flat line like big price appreciation a whole yep. bunch of developers come into crypto wow. yeah mm-hmm. uh, in 2017 the end of 2018 and then it flattens out we're again we're at the leveling out right. phase right. 2022 where we're not going to go down very much mm-hmm. but we're probably going to keep pace with the amount of developers we have we'll build price appreciates mm-hmm. whole new it's like a cycle this happens 100%. over and over yeah. and it's uh, in well, fact you, you can just see the accumulation period. So like yeah. in 2017, uh, developers go from like, it, it, it does a 100x and then like prices go down 95% while the developers get heads Build down stuff. busy for like 18 months yeah. and then they create the next bull market and now we're back into that accumulation phase. Yeah. I remember seeing like numbers like this uh, in 2018 and it was one of the big like reasons like, okay, I'm not crazy even though my bags are down 95%. My net worth is basically at zero. All the developers are still here. So, so yes. something's happening. Uh, and you'll notice that this, this chart never goes down. Developers are always up only in crypto. Chris Dixon calls this the innovation cycle. If you want to Google that, you can read yeah. an article about mm-hmm. this, this very effect. And this is why, you know, we say sometimes like crypto investing is not hard. Yeah. I'm like, like, look at this. The numbers, like it's yeah. telling the story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the area um, under the curve of that chart is also the rate of progress of crypto, and which is why I'm so bullish on this particular bull market or bear market versus last is because the area under the curve it's of magnitude of building happening is the most it's ever been in crypto ever. 100%. 100%. Uh, cool news from Arbitrum. The Norwegian mm-hmm. government is testing a cap table platform on Ethereum using Arbitrum Layer 2 scaling. Uh, I know you've explored this a little bit, but... Uh, what are they doing? Yeah, so this is a uh, uh, the Norwegian government has announced the development of Br- Brock. Brock, 
I don't know okay. how to in, in Norwegian. Yeah, Norwegian. Uh, oh, with a line through it, the the Viking language. Uh, and so <laughs> there is a bunch of just like private shareholder cap table information for unlisted companies, companies that are not publicly trading. But the Norwegian government's Brock platform allows these companies to manage their cap table on Arbitrum. Uh, and so it's a cap table management for not yet public companies uh, just to help them make the process more faster, more efficient, more secure. Uh, this is a great use of a blockchain. 100%. We have a, a global permissionless uh, you know, settlement layer that anyone can mm-hmm. program against. Why wouldn't you want to put stocks on this thing? Of right. course, the New York right. Stock Exchange is never going to do it. Why? Because right. they're the incumbent. But right. Norway is happy to say, oh, look at this technology. It's promising. Mm-hmm. Let, let's check mm-hmm. that out. Moving on to some other big news. MetaMask enables staking right from the MetaMask wallet. You can now deposit your Ether straight into Lido or Rocket Pool straight through the MetaMask UI. Uh, They also report the uh, APYs that each of these protocols give you. Nice. Uh, Decentralized staking as well. Rocket Pool is a much more decentralized option than going to your local uh, exchange. So pretty cool to see this. Also, shout out to all the Rocket Pool homies. Uh, RPL got listed on Binance this week, immediately jumped like 25%. Yes, just also, retrace uh, a little bit, but it's, it's exciting. Too. Yeah, Coinbase too. Mm-hmm. Um, what's this about? An NFT world? You, you wanted to highlight this uh, Discord message. This is from Mullet, one of my favorite CryptoPunk NFTs. Discord screenshot. This was in 2017. Yeah, so this is uh, the the CryptoPunk Discord, of course. Uh, This account named Cyborg says in the Discord, I'm about to do something either extremely stupid or wonderfully smart. Wish me luck. And then not just a few moments later, the CryptoPunk bot that reports all the sales shows up and goes, uh, a zombie punk was sold for a whopping 1.89 Ether for $564. And some other person in the Discord goes, whoa, because that was a big sale. For a JPEG. For a JPEG. $560 for a JPEG? Who's (laughs) spending this much money in 2017 on JPEGs? Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, that zombie punk is probably worth uh, 1,000 times more in Ether terms. Uh, And yeah. Can I just shout out the value of being contrarian, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you know, Ben from our team dug this tweet out. It was from an old archive as we're migrating from Substack to our new website. It was like surfacing all of these old articles. Uh, this was a tweet from 2019, uh, where I said, 10 X investors know it's not enough to be contrarian. It's not enough to be right. You have to be contrarian, right? ETH is contrarian now, even in crypto circles. I think it's contrarian, right? We'll see. This was like depth of the bear market where yeah. ETH was, Ether was real not bad. Cool. 2019. The only and people talking about ETH were you, me, Anthony Zano, DC Investor, Eric Connor, uh, Cyrus Unessi, like a few other people. It's a pretty small group. It was a contrarian yeah. bet. It was always like, yeah, Bitcoin might come back and probably right. will come back. Everything and I mean a contrarian bet in, in crypto circles. But so this is also the key, similar to, to punks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people make contrarian bets. Mm-hmm. A lot of those contrarian bets are contrarian wrong. Yeah. They're uh, contrarian for good reasons, not bad reasons. <laughs> yeah. And then most people make bets that aren't contrarian. And mm-hmm. so you have sort of average performance and average right. returns on those sorts of bets. The thing you want to find in crypto is the contrarian right bets because that's what gives you kind of the, the 10x returns and the 30x returns and the 50x returns. And this, of course, ETH is up even now in the bear market 10x yeah. from the time this tweet. This tweet, ETH was floating at 170 yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're 10x from that. I'll so. say that the last time I felt that Ether was contrarian was like in the second half of 2021 when it was Solana, Avalanche, Luna season. That's it when was, I felt like, it was like contra- Ethereum was contrarian locally. Yeah. On a relative basis, yeah. for mm-hmm. sure. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be contrarian price to other uh, assets as well. Um, David, we got to answer that question about um, how many members of Congress got cash mm-hmm. from yeah. Sam Bankman Freed. What is the uh, answer to that question? One in three. Uh, I guess the uh, article that you're linking at is uh, not showing up, but one in three members of Congress, which comes out to 196 U.S. lawmakers, took direct contributions from FTX and other FTX executives. 196. Dude, I wow. told my wife this, and she was, like, blown away. Yeah. Like, that's a third. I, yeah. A third. And now they're trying to unwind all of that. But FTX was just everywhere. And Sam Bankman Freed was just everywhere trying to uh, yeah. trying to infect our government bodies yeah. in yeah. the United States of America. It's pretty scary, actually. Yeah, the, the cancer was definitely spreading. And cancer cancer is really the way to explain how that corruption works. is. It was, cancer. it was corruption. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, a line from this article was that most of the politicians who responded to uh, uh, questions from Coindesk said that they handed it over to charities to remove the taint of contribution contributions uh can you give it back to the customers <laughs> why didn't you do that uh it's messy i guess just, I don't you know. just gave customer money to charity like, i would also <laughs> love to see what the charities were I, that would be nice if right, that was transparent foundations yeah, it could right, be like yeah. air quotes charities who knows right, right right um this is interesting uh digital dollar project warns on the u.s's cautious approach to C, uh, cdbc's i think you have um, a take this is a white mm-hmm. paper that yep. a project called the digital dollar project uh came out with and what's the what's the tldr of this white paper I, I think the subtext is that the Chinese CBDC has been moving ahead, full steam ahead for years now with real progress. Meanwhile, you and I have made fun of whatever, like banking, Senate finance banking, whoever, the Federal Reserve, they just talk, doing research they? reports yeah. about perhaps doing um, a, di- a digital currency for the United States. Uh, so this digital dollar project says, hey, guys, up. like do something, do something. And so they call the U.S.'s approach to CBDCs an unsustainable position. Uh, and they are advocating for either doing a CBTC or allowing the stablecoin market to be that. It's like pick one and, and make forward progress in one of these two directions. Yeah. But the current situation is unsustainable, which yeah. is something we've been trying to say on the weekly roll up since I think Bankless was incepted. This is an idea that's been around in business circles for a long time from um, Clay Christensen, which is kind of the, mm-hmm. the idea that the incumbent always gets disrupted because they're on top. They don't think they have to innovate. Of course, um, you know, Jerome Powell and the dollar is on top. It is the world's reserve currency. They don't think they have to do anything new, but uh, you know, competitors are nipping at their heels and they're out mm-hmm. innovating. And uh, this is one key way they're out innovating. Interestingly, the Digital Dollar Project, Ryan, is actually led by Chris Giancarlo, uh, who we've had on the podcast, right. a former member of the CFTC. So the guy knows a thing or two. Yeah, he was the uh, the head of the CFTC, for sure. Also, Crypto Dad, I got his book sitting right back there. Oh, yeah. Good book. Yeah, great guy. SBF new post on Substack. This guy is now a blogger. What's he new saying? New SBF just dropped week. uh, yeah. his weekly reminder that FTX US is totally solvent and always has been. Oh, uh, just you. yet another you know Excel math uh, blog post from SBF. Not validated. Uh, just you take do my not word need for to it. read this. Like don't waste <laughs> your time. Uh, but this is just your semi regular reminder that Sam Bankman Fried thinks that FTX US is totally solvent and you should too. Do you know what? I still got him on uh, notifications. I need to stop him from all of the, the craziness in november yeah. uh but uh yeah i'm, I'm just sick of it i'm sick of hearing yep. from sbf but he's still yep. posting he's still um, posting <laughs> god damn this is some legislation in the eo it's called mica right this is sweeping mm-hmm. 
European Union crypto legislation. And David, I think we really need to dive in on this legislation on Bankless because it's mm-hmm. it's actually happening. Uh, right. Now, it's been delayed. That's the news this week. It's been delayed until April, which gives EU crypto firms some breathing room. But David, we are having a panel with some experts on MICA. It's happening in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so mm-hmm. that we can get informed, you know, uh, we're based in the U.S. Obviously, and so uh, we often we see, you know, we U.S. Bias, regulation. US bias, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we just see that's the information that comes closest to us and affects us, and that we understand. I think we want to dive into MICA and fully understand that. So that mm-hmm. is coming down the pike. Um, I've heard that MICA is, you know, so-so. Some good, uh, some bad. So, some wins, some some losses. Yeah, not absolutely terrible for crypto but also not great so we'll dive into that uh, in the next couple of weeks and just word that that's actually been delayed until april so some more breathing room there got a handful of releases to talk about one inch the dex aggregator which is across many many networks is coming in into the world of hardware wallets so little mm-hmm. little turn of uh, development here very uh, a cool spiffy new hardware wallet expected to go on sale later this year no buttons it's a touchscreen uh, it's one of those e-ink grayscale touch displays uh, the whole entire thing looks like a screen so 2.7 inch screen uh, touchscreen no buttons uh, grayscale screen uh, looks kind of like a size of a credit card ish um, cool one inch coming into the hardware world of hardware wallets. Um, also coming out is this thing called Den, which is something that's built on top of Gnosis Safe. Uh, and so I think what this really is is just like a, a UX uh, layer on top of Gnosis Safe, which can be kind of clunky if you're not used to it. Uh, but Den is a brand new way to access Gnosis Safe. Uh, they're working with over 180 teams, they said, and secured over $80 million. Uh, and so a new layer on top of Den. And also coming out of an integration between Mean Finance and Aztec, mean as in the average, not mean as in the emotion, but average, mean finance. <laughs> uh, this was actually uh, raised in the Bankless Nation Discord because somebody was asking for a way to do on-chain dollar cost averaging. That is the simple way to explain what mean finance is. If you have stable coins or assets and you just want to have this system do auto DCAing for you, mean finance is where it's at. They are doing a uh, connection uh, integration with Aztec Network. Aztec is a uh, zero knowledge roll up. It's actually a Private. zero knowledge, zero knowledge roll up. So one layer That's of zero it. knowledge recursions. That's how they get extra scale and also privacy, uh, which has let mean finance do some extra cool new features, uh, like flexible swap periods, uh, privacy, gasless trading, and this is uh, actual, actual private DeFi, private cool. DeFi, private, private DeFi, DCAing. money market. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. pretty cool here. Yeah, um, so cool new stuff to try out in the world of Ethereum. We also have some raises this week, David, uh, a few mm-hmm. that are notable. Um, the first is Diva mm-hmm. discloses a $3.1 million seed investment. This 3. is 5. another 3. $3.5 million seed investment. This is another distributed liquid staking protocol. So mm-hmm. up there, try to compete with uh, Lido and Rocket Pool. And uh, just note, David and I are angel investors in this one, uh, very supportive of decentralized mm-hmm. staking uh, protocols. Uh, anything uh, this else? One's, you know, uh, this one's unique, though, in that it is uh, coming with DVT right out of the gate. This is yes. what really attracted me to it. Is like they were emphasizing uh, distributed, distributed validator, validator. Techni- yeah. technology right out of the gate. And so what is distributed validator, validator technology? It's you and a bunch of buddies can come together and create a virtual node with all of your computers uh, that make sure that the node is always onli- online without any risk of redundant um, signing. Uh, so that, that's why that's why I really like that one. Opal uh, Network Opal Labs. Well. Obel raised $12.5 million in a Series A led by, by Pantera. 
Obel is the pioneer of DVT. So uh, Diva is using DVT. Obel has been pioneering DVT for many, many, many protocols to use. Uh, I guess this is a DVT raise week this week. Uh, but Obel is just announcing their Series A for raise $12.5 million, undisclosed valuation. But also disclaimer, Ryan and I are also investors in Obel Labs in their uh, seed round. Uh, because again, DVT gets me hot and bothered. <laughs> Also on the raise list this week, Flashbots is seeking a $50 million investment at a billion dollar valuation. That's a pretty steep valuation Mm -hmm. for the bear market, but Flashbots is just, I mean, they pretty much own the MEV uh, market share on Ethereum right now, and and, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's worth that to some investors. Yeah, plus there's a bunch of just absolute gigabrains at Flashbots, so it's definitely some exposure to some frontier-level thinkers. Uh, last one, David. This is a, a sleep to earn <laughs> protocol called Sleepagachi Collectibles for your sleep. You, do you get paid while you sleep? Is this the idea? I don't know. The The title here is uh, 3.5 seed round to continue building a mobile application with gamification to improve, improve uh, sleep health, social elements and gamification for sleep health. Uh, I think the the sleep to earn is not the official branding, but that is what is like kind of what you get when you read through the uh, the lines. Sleep uh, to earn. Sleep to earn. Uh, sleep wait, to earn. I mean, whatever happened to just work to earn? Remember those days? I I don't know why we, we need a Ponzi game for every work, single yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I mean, I feel sleep. like when I do get good sleep, I feel rewarded because of how good that that feels. Yeah. I don't I know if tokens. you need to add money on top of that, but yeah, hey, if you money. can sleep better, yeah. <laughs> turn turn all of my behaviors into financial assets. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Coffee I guess to earn. That's crypto. Where, where, when Drink coffee to earn. to earn. If you are doing a coffee to earn mm. investment, I want you to DM me. Brew we'll talk earn. about that every single weekly roll up. <laughs> coffee drink or coffee to earn. You know? Yeah, you get coffee reward points. Coffee got you. The more we talk about it. Ryan, I've got a new venture I might want to go explore. All we need is uh, Suzu and Kyle Davies to be uh, <laughs> leads in this. Also, we have some questions from the nation coming up. David, uh, we also have a, a meetup coming mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. at ETH Denver. So ETH Denver happens in February. And there is going to be a meetup mm-hmm. of the Bankless Nation. So what's going to be happening at this event and who can attend? Yeah, so we got a, a nice little brewery uh, that we've reserved for three hours, four to seven on a day that is disclosed inside of the Bankless Nation Discord. So if, again, if you are a Bankless Nation citizen, uh, there are details in the Bankless Nation Discord, Discord for our meetup. Uh, free beer. Free beer. Yeah. Yeah. And there's going to be a stage. Uh, we're going to figure out how to do some sort of show or maybe a Q&A session. I don't really know. Uh, but beer and content. Beer and content. Who doesn't like that? So uh, Live. Yeah. Live. Person. Live content. Yeah. So if you are a member of the Bankless Nation, definitely don't miss that if you want to go. And if you're going to go to Eat Denver, definitely come hang out with us because we're, we're going to all hang out in real life and drink beer. David's going to get, David's going to get loose. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Oh, this will not be recorded then. We we know that for sure. (laughs) It's a, you know, unrecorded cut. Um, all right. Question from the nation, David. Yeah. We got a few. What's the, uh, the first one here? Who are we looking at? Yeah, this is a Spartan solutions. Uh, of of course, who's got, I think the best PFP inside of the bankless nation discord. Uh, I saw somewhere, someone explaining that the ETH deflationary threshold isn't set isn't a set gas fee, but changes with the amount of validators there are on the network. Is that correct? Uh, and that is correct. That is correct. And so uh, I'm actually going to take this moment to uh, show the article that's coming out next week. Uh, I haven't finished the title, but there are two charts in this title that will that in this article that will show you if you keep on scrolling down uh, that, that will show you the actual issuance curve of Ether 
Uh, and so this is the amount of ether that is issued versus with the total amount of ETH staked on a horizontal axis. So when there is more ether staked, issuance goes up. And so the more ether that is staked to the network, the higher the gas fee is. it's needed to become ultrasound because there's more issuance. Uh, and so that is the answer. It's not a fixed number. As more ether is staked, more higher gas fees are needed in order, in order to be net deflationary. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. These are good charts. Where'd you get these charts? Uh, that is from Colin Myers, uh, who is actually the uh, founder of Obel. <laughs> ah, very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm looking forward to that post, David. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't read that yet. Um, here's another question from Luth, Luke Ethwalker. Why does Bankless measure whether ETH is deflationary, a deflationary asset against the supply that existed at the merge? Mm-hmm. He's right. We do do that. In yep. fact, we just did that in the market section. Shouldn't we analyze whether it is deflationary in comparison to its peak supply? According to Ultrasound.Money, peak supply happened on October 7, 2022, and ETH has been deflationary, therefore, and in therefore, in my mind, an ultrasound asset since then. So I think he's making the point that, hey, uh, the entire last quarter, ETH has basically been deflationary. But mm-hmm. whenever I see you guys talk about it, you're always pointing to this uh, Ultrasound Money chart, uh, which you know, there's, there's a dial on this mm-hmm. where you can see, like even this, this is um, since merge, ETH supply since merge. Uh, and that's what ETH, ETH, uh, Luke Ethwalker is asking. Yeah, so this is uh, unpacking, revealing the dirty little secret of ultrasound money is that it's actually not clearly defined what it is. Uh, <laughs> so is Ether has been ultra ultrasound since, and depending, like, Ether has been deflationary since the merge. It yeah, has you been, can pick a date. You can pick a date, date right? And actually, saying. like, this specific supply of Ether at the day of the merge is just an arbitrary number that doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think and there's a number of different ways to define ultrasound. I think the correct way to define what ultrasound money is is the theoretically maximum uh, amount of uh, supply reduction that is safe for a, for a crypto economic protocol, which is a mouthful of a definition. But even when Ether inflates, as in when the supply is going up, under that definition, it's still ultrasound because you Ether, between the combination of EIP-1559 and proof of stake, is the theoretically maximum amount of supply reduction that you could get in that environment, even though it is still inflating. Well, I, I think you can measure on time periods too, though, right? To his point, this is just arbitrarily ETH to supply. But at the beginning of the episode, we also talked about um, ETH supply in Q4 mm-hmm. of last year, of 2022. Right. And it was uh, deflationary by negative... 0.004% actually. So in that time period, it was deflationary. I, I think the ETH supply since the merge date will become less relevant over time. Mm-hmm. It still might be a factor, but it still happened relatively uh, quickly. Mm-hmm. We might start looking at this on the monthly, quarterly, and right. annual basis instead. I think that's right. But yeah, the com- the interaction between the words deflationary and ultrasound is like an unknown science that we're just kind of loosely talking about. Oh, no you're rules. saying we're making this up as we go? Absolutely, dude. That's that's how all language and all memes work, actually, yeah, yeah. At, the, uh-huh. at the basement level. Breaking Bankless take- is making it up as they go. <laughs> uh, here's another take from uh, Necrosis, or a question rather. Um, I see a lot of FUD about L2s being very centralized. How centralized are Layer 2s, and what are their plans to become more decentralized and trustless as they grow? This was asked in the Bankless Discord. 
uh, of course. Uh, what's your answer for necrosis here? Yeah, so this is a very good question. Uh, how centralized layer twos are, is it's not an easy thing to say in one sentence, but you are on the mark that layer twos have various degrees of centralization. Uh, many layer twos are just a multi-sig, uh, Op- Arbitrum and Optimism, just multi-sigs. Uh, I believe that's true. Uh, but there are other things as well to increase the security of these things. And Vitalik actually at roll-up day in Bogota did a talk on this. Uh, and so, yes, to say uh, roll-ups, r- layer two roll-ups are decently centralized in their current form today. We do have the path to uncentralize them, to decentralize them. Uh, and Vitalik talks about that in this uh, video that I've linked, uh, timestamped the link in the show notes if you want to get that question answered. Uh, the TLDR is there are multiple like layers of redundancy that are able to be built uh, where like you could have a multi-sig, but you could also have the actual fraud proof. We're worried about fraud proofs and bugs and so we need to have a multi-sig like there's a bunch of nuances there it's not enough to go into but uh if you want to learn more about this uh, topic there is a vitalic talk in the show notes and uh layer 2b is doing a great job kind of covering mm-hmm. this right yeah. um mm-hmm. they have sort of the uh, the level of uh, centralization the de- mm-hmm. decentralization of each of these layer twos and i think the the point that vitalik is making in his presentation to d- today is that almost all roll-ups are still on training wheels right um but the idea of training wheels is training wheels can be taken off right. and then it's a real bike, a real yeah. decentralized roll up. <laughs> if you're a side chain, you're always going to have you those training wheels. You always got them. Yeah. It's not, you are it's training, not training wheels. wheels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you are, yeah, you are training wheels or you're a tricycle. You're not even a bike. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's something else. Uh, so that, that is the point. Um, and uh, I don't know the timeline on some of these things, but every single um, layer two has got their own timeline. Yeah. They're all yep. in race. Exactly. Uh, David, they let's love get to, some... to fight about how far they are on the race, though. That is that's I'm, true. Let them fight. They that's love great. fighting about that. Yeah, more decentralization is better. Mm-hmm. David, mm-hmm. let's get to some takes. Here's one from Ryan Selkis. He's talking about Gensler, our yep. favorite, uh, <laughs> our star of this episode. Gensler attacked Coinbase. He cozies up to SBF, biggest fraud since Madoff. Spit in the face of retail investors by rejecting spot ETFs, and spent more time finding bankrupt entities and Kardashians than fixing problems. He's a crooked cop on the beat, not a public servant. Ryan Selkis always dropping the fire on Love Gensler. Love it. Uh, he's been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like this is the probably the most critical interpretation of what Gensler is doing. But David, I it honestly check it out, dude. I can't say he's wrong about he's this. Super right. Yeah, I really wouldn't want to drive the point home. Gensler attacks Coinbase. Coinbase had their own version of Gemini Earn, which was not going to get plugged into uh, Genesis. It was going to be their own yield source. It was going to be native to them. And the SEC says, if you guys ship this product, we're going to sue you for for selling unregistered securities. And then Coinbase was like, oh, scared. We're not going to offer that. And so we had the safe we had the safe outcome. And the SEC was like, no, you can't have that. And then it's so dumb, dude. Do you know it's that so movie, uh, The Departed? Have you ever seen that yeah, with like uh-huh. Leonardo DiCaprio and everyone? Uh-huh. Do you know how it's like um, there really were no good guys in that movie? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like all the cops were bad too. It's like mm-hmm. not to say that um, crypto doesn't have its share of bad guys and villains. It totally does. Right. But that also doesn't mean all of the cops trying to kind of regulate this industry are good and doing the right, right thing. Mm-hmm. I think we have some uh, bad guys yeah, in uh, in those circles as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's another take. What's this one from Voorhees? So uh, Eric Voorhees says... Wild West is not a term of disparagement, but the embracing of the frontier and a celebration of permissionless individualism. God, all of those words just uh, warm my soul. 
warm yeah. my soul. Yeah, so I gave this a, a retweet because uh, I wanted to add this was this was hot on the heels of Gary Gensler calling crypto a wild west. Right? Oh, he so said th- that. This Again? is yeah, yeah. He he says the crypto is a wild west that needs to get reined in. So sure. Eric Voorhees tweeted that. I retweeted Eric Voorhees, and I say I'm in crypto because it's the wild west. That's why I'm here. Gary Gensler's labeling of crypto as a wild west that needs to be reined in is the same sci- mindset that motivated frontiersmen to go west in the first yes. place to get free from tyranny and oppression so like the irony here is that gary gensler's the dude that motivated people to go west in the first place that's why we're doing this that's why we're doing this is the frontier it's not for everyone but we're headed west that's every it's definitely single for me episode it's definitely for me from inception yeah. uh yeah mm-hmm. i agree with that before he sees it too uh suzu how to yeah. take this week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read out that take. Owning crypto in cold storage when done properly is one of the most anti-fragile financial acts one can take. Trading crypto aggressively is one of the most fragile financial acts one can take. He would know. I've <laughs> learned the hard way. As many others have this past cycle, stay humble and stack sats, baby. Just stay <sighs> humble and stack stay sats. Stay humble. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is just a uh, Suzu take that is... It was celebrated. Look at all these likes, David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but the only reason why we're putting this take in here is because of a prediction that was made by Eric Wall where Suzu and Kyle Davies miraculously become influential Bitcoin maximalists. (laughs) I did not expect this to happen this quickly, but this is that. This is this is that. And so Hunter psyops works like he's not wrong in this take, but he's obviously uh, playing an influential game. Why is anyone listening to this guy right right now? Right. Well, Bitcoiners are listening to them, to him, because he's saying the Bitcoiner words. He's saying, stay humble, stack chat stats. And the Bitcoiners like, yeah, those are our words. So if you say the thing the tribe wants you to in social media, the tribe will celebrate you no matter why the reason that you're saying them or if you actually believe them. So then you can just manipulate the mob Uh by saying things that the mob likes to hear. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, that's right. Well, that really sucks, David. Anyways, let's burn a bunch of ether, right, Ryan? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, geez, if we reprop up these uh, influencers again as influencers, like, Mm -hmm. we almost deserve it, don't we? Mm -hmm. Uh, This is your take. I'm going to read it out. Bitcoin will hit its supply cap in the year 2140. That's when issuance finally goes out, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, It approaches zero and it kind of hits zero, I guess, at that point. Mm -hmm. The ETH supply... Uh, the ETH supply hit its cap last year. <laughs> wow. Uh, tell me about that. First of all, justify that. How, how, explain that one. How does that work? Yeah, so uh, this is there's a prediction, there's a claim being made here, but uh, the Bitcoin supply, we know the Bitcoin supply curve, around 2140, it will stop issuing Bitcoin and it'll That's be predominant. That's the year. That's the year, 2140. Years roughly in 120 years, zero more Bitcoin will be issued. Uh, and then I follow up and say the supply cap for Ether hit its cap last year, uh, which I'm claiming is like the supply of Ether is down only because now it's ultrasound. Uh, that in theory could not be true. We could technically stop having so much gas fees, and then uh, and then we would issue more. But I'm claiming that that's not going to happen. But I'm saying let's let's contrast these things. Bitcoin supply stops inflating in the year 2140. Ether supply stopped inflating last year. That was my spicy take of the week. Wow. Uh, you might be wrong a little bit on that, like in that maybe it peaks this year, but like I think yeah, you'll be yeah. mostly right. Yeah. Which I, is like I, the thesis of... I'm placing money on that I'm right. And so that means about 120 million. So that mm-hmm. means what you're saying is ETH will never hit 121 million in terms of supply. 
Well, yeah, I mean, go up to the peak of uh, issuance right after the merge, like whatever that peak is. I'm saying the supply of Ether will not be greater than 120,533,000, which is this peak, which happened to hit last year. That's a very uh, precise estimate. Yeah, exactly. And I've I've got like uh, 15,000 Ether. Yeah, 15,000 Ether of of wiggle room. So we need to not issue 15,000 Ether, and I will be right. There you go. Um, From this point, from this moment. Tell me what you're bullish on, and it can't be ETH. <laughs> I'm bullish on an article about Ether. That's <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm ETH bullish on. Uh, and so I've got an article that's going out a week from today, uh, which is uh, Thursday for Bankless listeners. Uh, you were just from, teasing that same article, I, right? I'm te- yeah, we, we tease the article. Uh, and so you can start to like lead, read a little bit about it. But it goes out next week. Uh, I was just hit with a whiff of inspiration in uh, this last weekend, and I just banged out an article. And uh, I was, I'm actually pretty proud of it. Uh, it's about how Ethereum automatically balances itself. Uh, gas fees, the ETH stake rate, this is, a self, uh, this is a loop of signaling that allows the Ethereum economy to self-manage itself. And what is the process? What is the project of crypto economics? It's about making, making self-governing financial systems. And so there is a system that has been created between gas fees, between the ETH stake rate, between the supply of staked ETH, the, the heat of the DeFi economy. And all of these things create uh, an equilibrium that allows Ethereum to uh, induce economic activity during cold seasons and pull back economic activity when things get too hot. Uh, and it does it automatically. Uh, where the Fed tries and does this uh, manually, Ethereum does this automatically. Uh, and the thing about the Fed is that the Fed is actually its own source of chaos. And so the Fed is trying to maintain stability in the economy. But then the economy is looking at the Fed and being like, "Ooh, they're raising interest rates, trade, trade, trade. And so like the Fed is actually a source of chaos into the system. Uh, Ethereum does not have that source of chaos. And so it is a magically auto balancing financial system. That article comes out on Thursday next week, uh, along with a video as well, if you are a video minded person. And then inside of the Bankless Nation, there's going to be a Q&A session, a discussion, a book club, if you if you will. For anyone that has any questions as to that will happen on Friday, a week from the time you are listening to this uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I'll go into the little uh, water cooler uh, video voice chat inside of the Bankless Nation Discord and we'll have a little Q&A. So if you read this article and you want to ask questions and talk about it and unpack it a little bit more with me, uh, I will be there on Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. So I will see you there. It really is a, an algorithmic monetary policy, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool. And it's also what sort of Bitcoin has promised from inception, right. except Bitcoin does not have a balanced algorithm. It's too fragile. In other words, yeah, su- supply decreases and then uh, security goes out the window. Yeah. I mean, transaction, like if, if a Bitcoin was solely dependent on transaction fees, um, I, I saw the stat the other day, it'd be about $2.5 million in Bitcoin uh, security spent per day. The cost of attack is just like... Minuscule in the millions of dollars, yeah. uh, just not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I think that's a still a much underappreciated aspect of Ethereum and the Ethereum economy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I'm bullish on. Right? What are you bullish on? Uh, another underappreciated aspect of what we're doing here in crypto and the Ethereum uh, economy, and that is new frontiers. And really, mm-hmm. the inspiration for this, David, was that uh, episode we had with Arbitrum, mm-hmm. where uh, it's my first time to really talk to some of the participants in the Arbitrum community. That was an episode that came out earlier this week. If you want to learn about Arbitrum, what people are doing, go check that out. And I guess I had um, two observations under the kind of this motif of new frontiers. Um, the first is this allows for much more diversity like rather than monocultures. So what I was struck with is the Arbitrum community is so very, very different from Ethereum mainnet. 
and from the application ecosystems and players on Ethereum mainnet. And I know we're going to talk to Optimism in the coming weeks, that community in Polygon as well. I think Optimism is going to be more different still. And like mm-hmm. Polygon, that's a, a whole nother variation. It reminds me, um, before crypto, David, believe it or not, I used to travel a lot, like a whole lot. And I've probably visited almost every every state in the U.S., at least the continental U.S. That sounds awful. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of travel, but you get like airports and that sort of thing. But you have the ability to kind of experience each state mm-hmm. in the U.S. And you realize how diverse the U.S. actually is. Like, mm-hmm. you know, going to somewhere like um, Alabama is much different than going to somewhere like, um, you know, Washington State. Uh, you know, two totally different experiences of the U.S., which is very different from New York. And there's a mm-hmm. different feeling in the West Coast versus the East Coast versus the Midwest. And so culturally, it's different. Mm-hmm. There are also different laws for every every kind of state and every geography. Um, but it's interesting because somehow this diverse set of jurisdictions and states, as they're called, with borders, uh, all works, right? Mm-hmm. Because they have the same set of shared values. What makes them American? If you, if you go down to kind of the shared values as you know that the founders kind of put together, it's in the Constitution, a decentralized uh, protocol, right? Layer one protocol. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's what's so cool is what I'm seeing in Arbitrum is it's not similar. It's not the same as Ethereum, but it's kind of an echo of the value system, yet it's mm-hmm. its own independent right. uh, yeah. culture mm-hmm. and set of applications. And also set of new frontiers too. Mm-hmm. Like we've just opened up in layer two, these vast new uh, lands to basically settle. Mm-hmm. And so entrepreneurs can go out there and set, build new things. Uh, users can go out there and, and use new products. Governors can go out there and, and kind of uh, figure out how to uh, govern these ecosystems as well. Uh, and yet it's, it's somewhat like the United States as well, which is like this shared experiment of all of these different states Right. Where um, if one state develops an innovation, it can pass it on to another state and they all sort of level up together. And so mm-hmm. leveling arbitrum- up together while retaining their cultural differences. Yeah, exactly. So if the Arbitrum community, uh, you know, Game Five really takes off there, let's say, and sort of treasure the ecosystem, they develop some sort of groundbreaking uh, wallet mm-hmm. type application that is uh, super easy to use that can be exported to every other state, every other layer two in Ethereum. Mm-hmm. It's just so exciting to me to see all of this come together and to realize here's here's the net of it is to realize we are just like not even one percent through this journey here like i was almost you know part of me was sort of in lack of imagination really is just like oh the set of applications that we have in ethereum in in 2019 and 2020 they are going to be the like the big pockets of of culture and inspiration for ethereum no like there's going to be all of this innovation across all of these layer twos and we are just getting started and so that means there's far more opportunity. 99% of the opportunity is still ahead of us mm-hmm. in the crypto uh, economy. And we're just like a few steps on that, on that road. So new frontiers is what's really exciting to me. And seeing these layer twos blossom has really nailed that home for me. Yeah. And I think the angle you're really uh, touching on is like the social scalability of the layer two system, which is like, what, what's, what's your vibe? Are you like, does Arbitrum fit your vibe or does Optimism fit your vibe? Like what, what vibe do you want? Because there's a layer two for you. 
Uh, like, are you trying to like reorchestrate uh, like human governance and create like a new digital like city, uh, digital state? Because that's what Optimism is trying to do with their two tier token model. Are you in the big world of DeFi and, and gaming? Because that's what that's what Arbitrum is all about. Like, what do you want on Polygon? You got Magic Eden over there and like Avagachi. Uh, so like what's your vibe because we got a layer two for you uh, and the cool thing is it, this is also true outside of crypto because the vi- the cultural differences are all across the alt layer ones but when you do the same thing the social scalability on ethereum like you're all in the same ecosystem so you have composable communities because you can it exist both on arbitrum and on optimism at the same time and you can't do that on the layer ones and so this is all about like social scalability like how can the layer two ecosystem map on to the values and cultures that we find out in the real world yeah, it's it's really cool, and uh, it's it's I think one of the most exciting times to be in crypto. Honestly, is uh, mm-hmm. January twenty twenty three because yeah. we're just uh, we're just starting this journey. All right, David, we got one meme of the week. It's a meme powerful meme. What are we looking at here? <laughs> this is a uh, Cyrus Unessi. Uh, this is the meme. Uh, it's kind of an esoteric meme of the uh, two people at the gate lowering or raising the gates. One guy says to the other, "Rampant money printing caused the worst inflation in forty years." Raise the interest rates. Uh, and then the next panel is, the government is going to default on debt this Thursday. Lower <laughs> the interest rates. And then following, eggs are $12 a carton. Raise the interest rates just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. I love the image of it. It's just like one guy through raw human strength just like cranking this thing. And it's it's just medieval and it kind yeah. of doesn't work. It's non-automated. That's that's really what's happening right now with the economy, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Sadly, no, uh, no moment of Zen this week. Well, we got to end it there, guys. Uh, we will end with our usual risks and disclaimers, of course. And just to remind you, crypto is risky. We always say that at the end of every bankless episode, you could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, head over to Bankless HQ right now to develop your crypto investing skills and learn how to free yourself from banks and gain your financial independence. We recommend joining our daily newsletter, podcast, and community as a Bankless Premium subscriber to get the most out of your Bankless experience. You'll get access to our market analysis, our alpha leaks, and exclusive content, and even the Bankless token for airdrops, raffles, and unlocks. If you're interested in crypto, the Bankless community is where you want to be. Click the link in the description to become a Bankless Premium subscriber today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for in-depth interviews with industry leaders, Ask Me Anythings, and weekly roll-ups where we summarize the week in crypto and other fantastic content. Thanks everyone for watching and being on the journey as we build out the Bankless Nation.